All right, here we are again for the next episode of Valley's official podcast. You know, we've yet to still really name this. That's something we should do. I've, I've just been calling it Valley's official podcast, and I don't like that name. No. At all. Well, we'll figure it out at some point in time. But Mike, how are you today? Happy Reformation Day. There we go. Yeah. Happy Reformation Day. What, what is it, Reformation Day? Well, you know, we've, uh, we're talking about tax reform today. <laughs> and uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, uh, for, for, for those who don't know, like October 31st is the day that uh, Martin Luther, he nailed the 99th Theses, right? To the... Is it the exact day or is it just when it's celebrated? I, th- I thought it was the exact it day. It might be the exact day, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a big deal. You know, the Protestant movement started and, uh, you know, we have Bibles now and yeah. we're not part of the Catholic Church. Translated into our own are. language. No more indulgences. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You, can't, you can't pay your loved one's way out of purgatory. Exactly. Well, you never could. But <laughs> This is true. But... but but uh, you can't theoretically pay your loved one's way out of purgatory. It's not taught, or yes. at least not in Protestant churches. Actually, it's not taught in Catholic churches anymore, is it? That's a different discussion. Well, yeah, it's a different discussion. But Happy Reformation Day, which also happens to coincide with uh, Halloween. Yep. Right. Right. So last year uh, at our trunk of tree, you came as Martin Luther. Just reminding everyone that it was I Re- did. Reformation That's Day. That's right. I forgot about that. And it was kind of funny to me that everyone. That's right. Because I was like, happy Reformation Day, though. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's Reformation Day. Come on. I it's, forgot about that. Yeah. No, I didn't. Because I thought it was hilarious. Like, was I knew pretty- instantly what you were doing. But most everyone else was like, oh, look at Mike. He's just a priest walking around. <laughs> but that's just us being nerds. Yeah. So. How are you doing, Mike? You guys got any, uh, yeah, how are you doing? Just how you doing? Life's good, man. We're, we're really busy. We, we finally sold our house, finally you, moving into the, the you new one. did, yeah. Had a, a housewarming kind of thrown together shindig on Monday. You came there with your brother. I did. We had some pizza. <coughs> uh, we, I played a weird game of tag with all the kids that were there because they yeah. just wanted me to play. But your house, it's a beautiful home, man. My favorite part was uh, I put on Kanye's new album. And <laughs> <Yeah>. Actually, we <laughs> should just, talk about just that. Just about any, everyone there was like, what is, I have no idea what you're listening to. And I'm like, Jesus is king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed, uh, some people were like, what are we listening to? And I'm like, oh, it's Kanye's new album. I didn't say anything else. Yeah. I just said it's Kanye's newest album. And some of the looks were like, what? Why? So actually, I actually I'm, had a few conversations with people that were like, who's Kanye? Okay. And, okay. Uh, but yeah, that really fascinating to watch what's going on in, I guess the celebrity world as you know, this famous rapper yeah. who has been pretty, he's very outspoken about whatever he thinks, but right. it seems like he has had a true conversion experience and he is turned toward Jesus as savior and Lord. And yeah. uh, he put out this album that is, you know, it's, it's a young Christian's, view on following Christ, but there's a lot of really good, uh, truth in that yeah. the gospel is being presented in some ways. And, uh, and then in, in the, the buzz surrounding it, a lot of people are saying not really a Christian or there's a lot of pushback against it, but it's, it's just really interesting to watch as someone is figuring out what it looks like to follow Jesus who is in the public eye. Yeah. So it's actually been a very, I, I did want to talk about this. I forgot. But it's been interesting watching how Kanye West, who uh, wasn't too long ago, had like that Yeezus album, yeah. whatever. Like he openly declared like he was God. Like mm-hmm. he was making these statements like that. Like if you see the uh, the picture of him in that, that album cover, like it's. Uh, well, he was very narcissistic. Yeah. In, in that. And now here we are in 2019. I mean, he's been going through some interesting just changes. He's been outspoken about very uh, conservative, I guess, in, in some of his political views. But as of late, he has had an awakening. Yeah, and he's been having these things called Sunday services. And yeah. I actually, I've watched yeah. I watched one because uh, there was a, a pastor at a master seminary that preached there. And, you know, you're kind of wondering, like, is this just gospel music? Is it just kind of theology light? And this guy got up there and he he preached about sin, about the, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus alone is the way to be saved. It was spot on. It was wonderful. And, and I guess this has taken root in Kanye. I mean, I don't know him, but I'm praying for him. I'm praying that the Lord uses them to, to point and love people toward Jesus, you know? Yeah. So I'm not really big on rap. I actually just started recently listening to, to rap. I've been listening to a lot of NF lately. And that's, I think, 
I just like listen to it when I work out now. Something about I watched Creed and I'm like, when I work out, I gotta so, watch. I so gotta who rap. who started listening to NF first? You or Vinny? Because Vinny, Vinny was talking about Vinny or about NF today with me, and yeah. now you're listening to him. So so Vinny actually he he recommended NF. I just started going down this weird uh, Christian rap thing I wanted to listen to, and then I found Andy Minio, and I was like, ah, I kind of liked him a little bit, but there he's made a couple statements where I'm like, ah, oh, this seems really young, <laughs> and then. And then Vinny threw NF my way, and NF is very uh, angsty, yeah. and I kind of like that. I yeah. like the struggle that he kind of preaches. It kind of reminds me of uh, John Foreman. If you listen to like Switchfoot music, especially the writings of John Foreman, uh, it's not always like, oh, everything is great. It's like a genuine, like, I'm struggling, but God is good, and this is how I'm walking through this. Yeah. I really I really appreciate that kind, kind of music. But uh, what I was going to say is I, Kanye... Listening to his his album, I actually I appreciate it because following Kanye since I was in high school, just being aware of his uh, I'll say shenanigans. Yeah, uh, this seems very. This makes the most sense to me. It makes the most sense that you have one person who would swing one way, and then this is how he would respond if he became a Christian. The next direction. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting to me the backlash. We see a lot of people who are skeptical. And we see a lot of people who are saying like, oh, he's just doing this because he has a built-in audience now with with Christians and all this other stuff. But in the context of what you shared with me almost a month ago about his Sunday services, this is actually a natural progression of, of someone who would be in this world, in the world that he's in, and turning his life over to Jesus. And uh, did you see that James, uh, that James Gordon interview he had? Do you know who James Gordon is? Is that on the airplane? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It was like I was asleep. I was dead. And I'm. Yeah. yeah. The language. So. So backing up, James Gordon does that carpool karaoke thing. He's the guy who gets in uh, cars with different celebrities and he sings their songs or sings songs with them. And so he was filming that with with Kanye. But this time they were doing it on a plane. But in the midst of filming that they had a genuine conversation. Yeah. About. I saw that. Yeah. Skepticism and. Kanye is using language that would only make sense to someone who is walking with the Lord. It makes me think about our conversation about conversion. Yes. Yeah. Right. For uh, sure. A few podcasts back and as we're working through the nine marks and talking about how conversion is this regeneration. It's a work of God where you're taken from death to life. You're spiritually dead and you're spiritually alive and then everything changes. Right. And so yeah. the converted life is a life that literally does change. And so. I think it's encouraging to see what's happening. And, and you know, it's interesting. I've heard a lot of people say that there's backlash against him. But I, as I was thinking about this this morning, I don't think I've actually seen any backlash. I've just seen people talk about that there's right. backlash. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know who's saying this isn't legit or this isn't sincere. I'm guessing right. someone out there is. I think, yeah, I think, I think backlash is too strong of a word. I think people are just skeptical and critical is, yeah. is what it is. And it's kind of upsetting to see how many quote unquote Christians are so skeptical and critical. Because the truth is, don't you want people to come to know the Lord and yeah. then to take their abilities and their talents and then to redeem that for his glory? Now, I saw someone else push back on the idea, like, look at all the money he's making off this. But I don't know. I, lately, I've been reading a lot of books on like a theology of finances and, and money. I think you should take a step back and really consider what's yeah. happening here. So the other thing that makes me think about is when, uh, when Saul was converted on the road to Damascus, right? You have this persecutor of Christians. It actually says he's going from house to house, breathing murderous threats. He has letters to imprison Christians. And then he has this encounter with Jesus. He comes to faith. And then what, what are the early church? How do they respond? Skepticism. They're nervous about, yeah. about kind of uniting with him. Right. Cause they're yeah. like, is this a big trick? Is he just doing this so he can know who's who, and then he can arrest us all. Right. And you know, I, I I guess I kind of understand the response of, of people today if they're they're skeptical, right? Because they're saying, is this is this a big ploy? Maybe he's maybe he is in it for the money or this and this. And so I guess we pray for him and time will tell how genuine it is. But I think we should be encouraged. We should be like Barnabas who come alongside and say, let's walk with him. Let's pray for him. Let's encourage him. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I also think like, let's just say this is all like a, a prank or it, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for him, which number one for all Christians, eventually we fail. And so we should be met with grace and, and, and restoration. We just talked about that last Preaching week. Brother. Yep. Yeah. But number two, so what, how does Kanye West putting out a Christian gospel 
album, how does that impact what I'm doing in my like? That doesn't change anything that I'm doing with my life right now. Yeah. So why am I going to stick stick around and start throwing rocks at someone when really like it has no bearing on what I'm doing? He's reached like it blew my mind. I was reading the statistic that he made. Uh, I think this is like his highest grossing, second highest gross, grossing album right now. Wow. You have to imagine because people are like, well, he's just he has a built in audience and whatever. Okay. Let's say he does get a bunch of Christians who buy this album now. But there's no way that that's all just Christians. There are people who aren't Christian who have bought that album who are now listening to this and they're being impacted. Why is that a bad thing? Yeah. Why is that a bad thing? And if you don't like rap, that's fine. Go ahead and just continue to listen to your Lecrae or or whatever else. I've only listened to it maybe a handful of times because I'm just sampling it or just listening because I'm wondering. But I don't. I'm not. I'm still living my life. So why does it matter? Why does it matter? <laughs> so I don't know. A little bit of a rant there. Thank you for that impassioned rant, yeah. Andrew. I just it doesn't make any sense to me why people get so mad and so skeptical. Like, what's the point of being skeptical about this? All right. At the end of the day, like why does that matter? Anyway. Anyway, Mike, uh, I, a couple things I wanted to ask you about today because it is Reformation Day. We are. It is Halloween. We are uh, sliding into the holiday season. Here come the holidays. Right? Yeah. Oh, what a nice <laughs> plug. By the time people have listened to this, hopefully they know that we are we have done a start of the series called Here Come the Holidays. Yeah, kind of a mini series, just two weeks. Yeah. So we've got Halloween, which is considered like a holiday in, in the US. Then we'll have Thanksgiving. Then we'll have the Festival of Lights, like Kwanzaa, all that stuff, and then Christmas. Oh my goodness. Right? I mean, there's a lot of holidays oh my goodness. that, yes, are, that are, are coming up. So, you know, light your menorahs, spin your dreidels. Light up your trees. We're getting ready for it. So, Mike, last year you did a series uh, on just preparing. We called it the season of joy. Yeah. Right. And since this podcast is going to come out a little early, um, do you have any words or, or I guess advice or maybe some perspectives on maybe what are healthy focuses during this this holiday season? Yeah. So this is kind of something I think ingrained into to our family, and and I think something maybe we've brought to Valley a little bit. But talking about how do we make the holiday season as meaningful as possible? Because the reality is, the gifts, the busyness, the wrapping, the the traffic, the shopping, all that stuff. What is people's usual response to that? Is they get overwhelmed, they get busy, they get they get exhausted. That's why you got turned like the, the holiday blues, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it just becomes overwhelming and depressing. And, and a lot of times people go into debt during the holidays. And so we're just taking this uh, two weeks to kind of just say, hey, early November, how do we think about what's coming down the road in a way that makes it meaningful? And so what we're going to do for a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how do we how do we prepare our soul and then how do we prepare our giving so that we really the big picture is so that we can worship and we can honor Jesus Christ so we can recognize that Jesus is king. Right. See what I did there? Yeah, I see that. <laughs> that was a good illusion or a good callback to Kanye West. There you go. So that's what, that's what we're going to do. And so like with my family, we, we've been doing this for maybe five years. But our kids, they, they get stockings and they, they expect four gifts, right? And, and they make a list of things they want and under four categories, something they want, something they need, something to wear and something to read. Something I came across years ago. And, uh, and so we just try to limit like the, the, the consumerism and instead we try to really focus on, on Christ and who he is. And so we, man, I don't know how much you, this we want to get into today, but we have some rituals we, we do during the holiday season. And we, no, I'd like to hear about it because I, I, dude, I grew up being very commercial about Christmas. Like I, it's all about Jesus, but man, I was always trying to milk my parents for as much as I could get, like a new Xbox, a new game, new toys, electronics. I, as I've gotten older, I've just been wanting to spend more time with my family mm -hmm. and not buy a bunch of stuff. So I, I actually would like to hear some of these yeah. rituals. So we, um, we do Advent candles in our house and we do them um, every night. We light, you know, depending on week, what week it is, a certain amount. And, uh, and what we do is we read a story over the Advent season written by the same author. And the, the first story in the series is called Jotham's Journey. And it's basically like a- What, what, what journey? Jotham's Journey. Jotham. Like so, Jotham, but with a J. Yeah. And so okay. it's a biblical name. Oh. And so you think about <laughs> Israel, first century, that Jotham is a shepherd boy. He's probably nine or 10 years old. And he gets separated from his family. And the, the, over the course of the story, he's trying to find his family, but it happens 
during Jesus's birth. And so there's the, the main plot of him trying to find his family, but then the, the whole, you know, situation surrounding him is there's rumors of the Messiah being born and he ends up interacting with people like Elizabeth and, um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but he gets to be there during Jesus's birth. And and so it's, it's a remarkable story just puts you in, in first century Israel and we read a chapter every night and there's a question or a, a short devotion at the end of it every night, which gets our kids and our family thinking about what is Christmas and what is the meaning of Christ and, hmm. and who he is and what does it mean for us and how do we worship him? And so I think there's five books in the series. The second one is about a kid named Bartholomew, I think. And there's a, one about a girl named Tabitha and uh, Ishtar is another one. And so I, it, it's, it's just fun. And so we're our second go around. We're in the second book of, of it this year. When, so when have you guys already started this? No, we'll start it um, when Advent begins. So the end of November. And so what we do, what the book actually recommends is we actually turn out, turn off all the lights in our house and we read it by candlelight, the Advent candlelight. Yeah. And then afterward we, we, you know, we pray together. Yeah. Um, And it's just a way, it's a way of doing family devotions during the, the Advent season Mm -hmm. that, that man, it, it's cool. I mean, for my kids stories, like when you 10 minutes, okay. Okay. 10 minutes to read a chapter, maybe, maybe five. Okay. And, um, the kind of conversations we have with our kids because of it is just wonderful. I mean, my my kids lean into Christmas in a way that it's way different than anything I ever, I did as a kid, like like you, very consumeristic, very me, me, me. What can I get? Here's my list of 150 items. And you know, like (laughs) that's it. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, or when I was a teenager, just give me lots of money, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm seeing it taking root in my kids' life and they're, yes, they're consumeristic mm-hmm. to, to some degree, but, but I see that there's, there's right. more powerful motives right. operating inside them. No matter what, everybody's going to want stuff, mm-hmm. right? And I think if we can, as a collective church, if we can all just take small steps to instill, I, I guess, meaningful family traditions in the holiday seasons, that's a huge step forward for us, yeah. for everyone. Yep. Uh, I, I like what you just shared there. I think, especially now that we're focusing so much on family ministries, I actually, I want to make that available. I might look, look, look up a website and add the description of that to our podcast so people can click on it and yeah, maybe yeah, they yeah. can order it. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to include it in our season of joy guide as well. Oh really? Oh so yeah. Okay. I was going to write a little article about that. And so okay. Valley people at Valley, not Actually, when they listen to us, the, the weekend after this podcast drops, mm-hmm. they'll get a little packet that says, hey, here are ways to help prepare for the holiday season. Yeah. So that'll be good. I, I think that'll be such a powerful thing for just families to be able to be a part of that. Because I think, I say gentle steps because I think about families right now. I mean, kids are older, maybe like in their you know, tweeners and teens who are really ingrained in the commercial things stuff. I think taking gentle steps to start to, to point back to Christ are, is a really good thing. Cause I think you could cause a holiday upset if you just like, we're just completely changing how we normally do things and just negating any of your expectations. But we are, I think as we start to build, I don't know, and, and make more meaningful steps towards Christ as families, it'll be a really cool thing to see what happens to our church as, as the years mm-hmm. go by. So years ago we sat down with our kids and we said, Hey, this year we're going to do things a little different. Okay. And that's when we introduced the, something they want, something they need, something to wear and something to read. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it was a bit of a stretch. And honestly, it was a bit of a stretch for Jess and I too. Like, you know, cause we like to get stuff for our kids and you know, like that right. idea of a giant pile of presents and all that, like that, there, there's something that is kind of ingrained in us mm-hmm. about that, but it's been, it's been worth it for us. I mean, we don't go into debt, you know, we, we don't use the credit card during Christmas season. We used to, and it just kind of fed that cycle of never paying off the credit card. And yeah. that's not, that's not the kind of financial life that a Christian is supposed to live is just being enslaved to debt. And so obviously a lot of things came together for us in over a number of years, but yeah, it, it's freeing. It's simplifying. It's, it's allows us to experience joy and peace in a way that I don't think we ever really did when it was just about stuff. Yeah. That's really cool. So with, with everything else that's coming up, I know that we, last year we did like a, a series on giving. And now when we say giving, we're not talking about not necessarily just financial giving because we could bang on that drum for a long time. And it is a season of giving, but we're also looking for opportunities to give of our time and, and to be charitable with our, 
with our service. Yep. Right. Um, you challenged me yesterday to find some opportunities around the city. And I'm going to, I'll be looking for that, but that's just something that we want to emphasize as a church now too, right? Because we want to make a difference in the lives of people in our city in the name of Christ, because it is, it's Jesus. This is like the missional movement, right? Jesus came to earth. He, he stepped down from heaven into stinky humanity and dwelt among us. This is the beginning of that. Yeah. And so here is an opportunity for us to practice that missional effort to get out, to get out and just serve others in the name of Jesus. That's right. Some classic things like there's a, there's the soup kitchens or the community house in Broadway. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, I've been, I actually I'm really interested to see if there's anything we can do for schools. I've been talking to different teachers that we have that go to okay. our church and I'm hoping to see if I can find some opportunities for us to really come alongside what's happening That's in awesome. public schools. So I like it. So yeah, Mike, do you have anything else that you want to share about the holidays or anything else? I guess we'll hear about it this weekend. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Listen to the series, I guess. So, yeah. All right. So let's pivot. Uh, we are coming to Mark eight now. Man, we're almost done. Yeah. We're almost done. I don't know where we're going to go after this. Yeah. That's a, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, so today we're talking about discipleship and church growth. Yeah. Now you like to kind of go through all the marks leading up to the mark that we're about to talk about. Yeah, I didn't write them down. Let's see if I can remember them. The okay. first one is expository preaching. Yes. And then you have uh, biblical theology. Mm-hmm. And then you have a biblical understanding of the gospel. That means that leads to conversion. Yeah. That leads to evangelism, which leads to church membership, yep. which leads to restoration, which is what we did last week. Right. And now today we are on growth. growth. And it, it's growth in the sense of growing as a church in numbers, but it's also growth in the sense of, of people growing in their, their maturity. Like yes. the church should grow. It should reach people. Right. But right. it should not just be this mass of people that are coming and their faith is, you know, what is it up? A mile wide and an inch deep. Like right. we want it to the, us to grow spiritually. So which is, which relates to depth of conviction and character. Right. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, yeah, which is discipleship. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're really talking about is disciples who make disciples. So the, the, the phrase for what is discipleship is, it's doing spiritual good to someone. Yeah. Right. So that they become more like Christ. And then who is Christ? Christ is the ultimate um, self-denying savior. Right. He's loving sacrificially. And so that's really what discipleship is, is we're becoming more and more like Jesus in our character and then our lifestyle. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, I guess the gist. Uh, in fact, I want to start with a scripture if we're going to have this conversation today. I mean, I guess that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> I, I don't remember this one being in um, the chapter, but it kept going around in my mind as, as I was reading the chapter. Um, so it's Philippians chapter two. Uh, Paul is writing this church. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, so when Paul was with them, they, you know, they obeyed and they grew. He says, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so when I think about spiritual growth, this is the, the passage that comes to my mind so often because it reminds us spiritual growth maturing discipleship. This is a work of God in us, right? It says to will and to work. So he gives us the desire and then the the power to do it. But then right before that, what's he say? He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, so this is, I guess, the start of a conversation of where does spiritual growth start? It starts with understanding God growing us, working in us. And I think I think going touching on the idea of starting with fear and trembling is to have a healthy respect and to understand our relationship to the Lord. I, I had this boss uh, when I used to work in retail at, at Target, and when she showed up, man, she she was so hard nosed. Like was she? she was hard on people when we were not used to that. We had the last the, the person she replaced was really soft and and and. I don't want to say nurturing because we honestly like took advantage of how soft she was. And so this new boss, when she came in, she was not like that at all. And at first we hated her. We did not enjoy her company. We, she was just all about the rules and the regulations and everything. And it was a really hard relationship, but it wasn't until about maybe nine months to a year that we started to connect 
and and I got to know her a lot better, and she actually became a deep friend of mine. And we had started talking about that that relationship style or that relationship that we had. And I told her like how I felt when I first met her, and she said, "You know what, Andrew? The, like I did that intentionally because people like I don't want to be. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your boss. And so we can be friends, but I really need. I had to work hard to make sure to establish like first and foremost, I'm an authority figure, not to be taken advantage of." And that actually kind of reminds me of, uh, to me, that was an illustration of God. I think about the Old Testament and how oftentimes people characterize God in the Old Testament as like fire and brimstone. But there's actually a lot of grace and love in it. Yep. But but I, I can see what they're saying. And I, I think there always needs to be this healthy respect that God is our ultimate authority figure. That he is not to, we, we should not make light of, of who he is and his judgment and, and, and things like that. But... With that, then appreciate the grace and and the the mercy that he shows us. I think I think discipleship starts with that recognition. So you just let the cat out of the bag, right? I, I oh. think spiritual growth. Yeah. The, the 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 baseline for spiritual growth has to do with that word authority, right? That's what I think. That's what growth hinges on, and we don't want to hear that. Right. right. When, when Dever, when he talks about how do we grow spiritually, you want to know what he does? He actually reviews all of the, the marks of a healthy church. Mm-hmm. He says, this is what it takes to grow spiritually. He says, uh, expository preaching, which is what? The authority of the word of God. Yeah. Right. And then that connects to biblical theology, which is understanding God is God. Mm-hmm. He is the authority. And then he talks about the gospel, which is we've rebelled against God's authority, but God in his kindness has sent Jesus who fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. He obeyed perfectly. He, he lived under authority perfectly for us, right? And then you get down like, okay, so then church membership. Well, usually why we push against church membership is we don't want to have authority. We don't people want people, yeah, have right? authority over us, right? Right, we don't have someone over us. And then same with, you know, church correction. Same with evangelism. Evangelism is an exercise in obedience to God's authority. God says, go share your faith. We say, well, I'm scared. Okay, well, in that moment, if you don't do it, guess what? You're the authority. God says, go, go share the gospel. And you say, well, what if they don't like me? Well, in that moment, you're saying, am I going to obey the Lord as my authority or not? And so uh, you work through each of these marks. The last one is actually biblical church leadership, mm-hmm. right? You work through each of these marks. You grow. But what are you really doing? You're saying, Jesus is... <laughs> King. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to go there, but Thanks, that's Kanye West. That, that, that's, that's where spiritual growth lands yeah. is, am I becoming more like Jesus in who I am in yeah. my character? And when I'm doing that, what am I doing? I'm saying that Jesus is the authority of my life. Right. And we, we push against that. That's why we jump from church to church. We say, mm-hmm. well, you know, the worship style doesn't really fit me or this or that. What are, we, what are we saying in that moment? We say, well, you know, the preaching isn't really my style. What are we saying? We're saying, actually, I'm the authority, mm-hmm. not God's word, not the, the, the condition of the word of God being held in, as the highest authority. Um, this is what determines our growth spiritually. Yeah. And the authority is, well, to work out our salvation, as I look through the idea of sanctification, it's, it is a growth period, right? I think as God redeems individual aspects of our lives, he starts to call these things that we didn't even consider under his lordship, under his authority, right? In my own journey right now, as of late, I, I've been thinking about work ethic and just getting up. And now my nighttime routine as innocent as it was before, it used to be, hey, I'm just going to watch Netflix or I'll watch Bob's Burger. I, I don't know why I love Bob's Burgers so much. I've talked about it at least once a week with someone. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just do that and I just do it until my brain just goes dead. And then I turn off the TV and I go, I go to sleep. And sometimes I'm, I'm up till late. But lately, I could feel this tug that it's like, Andrew, God, God wants to work through me the next day. So I have, have, I've had to submit my just uh, the most innocent of things yep. to his authority and not, and I, I thought it would be like this terrible thing or, or like, or I, I'm not saying you can't, you can't watch TV, you can't do whatever. But for me right now, because I think about everything else that's, that's happening in my life, it's another level of I'm submitting to God's rule in my life because the, everything else 
is impacted by what I do at night, not what I do in the morning, but actually what I do at night so I can do more for his kingdom and for his glory and for my own joy the next day. Mm-hmm. And it's the subtlest thing. Except we've talked about like pornography and other things. Like when, when I was younger, I struggled with a lot of different things, but now I feel like sanctification and just working out your, your salvation being discipled after a while becomes a lot of fine tuning and just these minor adjustments. And it never ends. It never ends. And yeah. you, we do not arrive. Correct. Right. You, you might be living a, a godly life externally. That means that sanctification is happening in your thought life. Mm-hmm. Right. I think about some of the things I say right now and the way I say them, my tone and man, I get like instant conviction at moments if I'm not gentle. Yeah. Right. And that's a moment where the Lord is saying, Mike, you're not living under my authority. You're living in arrogance or pride, right? You're, you're not being understanding with your kids, right? All of these things that, uh, I think I could just like brush off as, Oh, you know, it's just who I am or that's my personality or, or this or that. Like at the end of the day, all of it falls under like, man, I am rebelling against God's authority Yeah, and he's calling me into it. And, and here's the deal. It's joyful. Right. When I, when I recognize these things that he is transforming in me and he's calling me to grow in, it's not like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I I gotta stop being so arrogant, but I don't want to No, It's actually like, I want to make sure I'm not, you know, just like blunt, rude to my kids. I know there's moments where I'm direct, but I I don't want them thinking like, man, dad's a jerk. I want them thinking, man, dad, it's hard, but it's right. You know, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but no, it makes sense. But every word. Every thought, every action, taking that and, and saying, this is, this is an opportunity to bring God glory mm-hmm. and worship as I live in authority with him as king, or to subvert that and say, my way. Yeah. And that, so going back to the idea of authority and being discipled, actually, I just shared this uh, yesterday with our, our leadership group in the morning. I have I have people in my life that I, I'm mentoring, I'm walking with, and there are times that like, I just came to this conviction just yesterday that I, I need to shut up sometimes. I I see myself as an authority on spiritual things, right? I sp- paid a lot of money, spent a lot of time becoming a quote-unquote religious professional. But just because I know these things doesn't mean that I'm the ultimate authority. I, I just came under the conviction just yesterday as I was sharing this that I don't always have to open my mouth and guide and lecture and teach teach someone. Yeah. Even though I have experience, I have the knowledge, I have a lot of things because what's happening in those moments is like I'm taking away control from God and not trusting God in that moment. So that that's an area of growth for me right now that was just identified just just even yesterday. Those are good moments to point someone toward Jesus instead of just let me give you the answer. Right. Right. And so I I only bring this up because we're all continuing to work and to grow and to work through our, our salvation and our, our sanctification. So man, this, the, the journey is long and yeah. sometimes the journey is just, Hey, you feel convicted. Just, just pick up your Bible and read it a little bit more often. If that's where you're at, man, just listen to the Lord and submit to that one thing. Take that next step. Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> so one of the things that, uh, Devers does in his book, he quotes Jonathan Edwards and he says the only, or what does he put this? He says, uh, there's all these evidences that are external, but he says that, the only certain observable sign of growth is a life increasing in holiness rooted in Christian self-denial, right? And so he says, this, this is what, this is how you really identify it for yourself. This is the observable sign of Christian growth. And it's this, I'm, I'm becoming holy, progressively holy. That means my life is looking more and more like Christ. And that's often most, that's most visibly shown in self-denial. And so the reason why that sparked is because when you were saying, hey, I actually deny myself the, the, the um, adrenaline rush or the, the fix mm-hmm. of being the one with all the answers right. of, yeah. of fixing everyone's problem. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to do that. Now, there are times where you're called to advise and guide and all that, but, but you're saying there's moments where you actually deny self, deny being right, deny having the most words, and you, you gently point someone in the right direction. Yeah. That's, that's growth. So, so you're growing, Andrew. Well, thanks, man. Thanks. I hope so. And that, I think it's important to point out that even as pastors, right, leaders of this church, we don't stop growing. 
And so if you feel like you've arrived, you've been like, ah, I've been doing this Christian thing for the longest time. Dude, you're completely missing it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Now, we also talk about church growth in numerical senses as well. And one thing I, I think that's really important to point out is that if you are truly living a life that's following Christ, I think that growth is going to happen no matter what. I, I, in my mind, I'm, I guess I'm pushing, pushing back against uh, people who are like, well, I don't need the church to, to grow and I don't need to whatever, which may or may not be true. But the truth is that if you're truly following Jesus and you're not part of a church, you're going to lead others to Christ. And guess what? You just started a church. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it says, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. Right. So growth is communal. It is. There's no like individual. I'm going to go grow on my own outside of the, the church. No, God's plan is growth happens in the church as we relate and we care for each other, as we challenge and grow together. That's how it happens. Right. Yeah. I actually I was going to I wanted to bring that up because discipleship happens in community. If you are off on your own reading the Bible, there are times that you might get the wrong idea mm-hmm. about something. And you need to get that, you know, you need to run up against other references to make sure we're on point. But at the same time, even just character, actions of character, you can interact with someone and that interaction brings out something really negative in your Mm -hmm. own character. I'm not here to slam anyone, but for me, when that happens, there are these moments where I kind of, uh, I'll use the 2019 uh, term woke. There's a part of me that wakes up and realizes, oh my gosh. I don't like what I'm seeing in myself right now. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing in the sense that I'm finally realizing. I think for me, it's a, I'm actually excited about them. Like, here's my next area of growth. Mm-hmm. Here's the next area that needs to be redeemed and that needs to come under the authority of Christ. And that happens in subtle ways too. You and I had a conversation yesterday, a, a conversation that I was getting ready for. And, and I don't even think you realize it, but we, we just had a brief conversation and it made me rethink like how I was going about a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was me coming under the authority of scripture, mm-hmm. right? And, and being reminded of certain things by you, I think without even you realizing it, right? Yeah, because I don't know what you're talking about. That's, but That's perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so we grow in community. Yeah. Right? That's why it's dangerous to not be part of a church. Oh, 100%. Or not commit to a church or not be consistent in church. Those are the things that make it easy for us to be self-deceived. And actually, t- let's take that as an, uh, a step further. That's why it's dangerous to not engage in the church because you could come and sit in the pew for 52 weeks out of the year, but you're not being discipleship if you're not engaged in the word. But I think kind of more importantly, engaged in the community as well. That's why we're always pushing life groups right now. I actually, this last couple of weeks, uh, we, so we're going through the gospel project, super excited about it. But we've come up against uh, some pretty blatant doctrinal statements that people are like, well, I didn't know this. And it goes into conversation. And people have thought, think, they're like, well, I thought this was how it worked. And it's an opportunity for us to show, like, actually, biblical theology considers the entirety yeah. of Scripture, not just these one or two off statements. And so we get to walk through it. Now, the statement's been made. I'm really, like, some people will say, I don't, I'm really challenged by this. And they don't always agree with it or accept it right there and then. But what we've seen is that people will come back a week or two later and say, you know what? I've been thinking about that. This makes a lot of sense. In a very subtle way, what's happened is they've repented. Mm -hmm. They've been molded a little more like Jesus. And that's only happened because people are engaging in life. They're thinking about the things that we're we're talking about. They're, They're actively participating in that. And that's very crucial. It's a relationship fueled by the scripture. Yeah. It, it moves people forward and it's, it's not forced. It's not like I'm going to make you grow. It's we're going to, we're going to interact with the scripture. And right. as we do, God's spirit does something behind the scenes and under the surface that I don't do. Mm-hmm. But because we're having these conversations, because we're wrestling with the full scripture, then, then that happens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So a couple of weeks ago, Mike, uh, this is kind of related to church, the numerical aspect of church growth. Um, in our, in our leadership group, it asked me to put together like a survey and, and survey some people, but we ended up not using it because we've kind of changed curriculum. 
and stuff. But I got this interesting, interesting statement from someone, some anonymous person in Longview that when I asked them, you know, why do you think churches exist? And, and is it a good thing or a bad thing that they exist? And this person wrote, it is a bad thing that churches exist because all they want to do is grow, is grow their quote unquote own kingdom and not participate or be a part of the community at large. So I took that to mean that this person was saying that all churches care about is just getting a larger church to grow their, their influence and just have more people so they can have more money and, and do whatever political agenda they, they can possibly have. What are your thoughts on, the, on, on that? Yeah, I mean, that's one statement. It'd be interesting to actually have a conversation with that person and see where that's coming from. Right. Um, because I think they might be right about some churches. Mm-hmm. But I think that you've got to be careful as a church not to just say, hey, we exist just for the good of the community and that's it. And so we participate in anything and everything and we're just here to give, right? Because we want to give toward the right things and we want to invest in the things that aren't just about our kingdom but are about the kingdom of God. Right. Right. And the kingdom of God's coming right? Like Jesus is King. Right. And so we, we want to make sure that as a church, we, we are in good standing in the community, that we're loving the community, we're serving the community, but we also don't want to be bowing down to the agenda of the community. We don't want to be saying truth doesn't matter. We say truth matters and we're serving and we're loving Mm -hmm. and we're pointing toward the ultimate truth, which is that we have a savior, Jesus Christ who died and rose again. Yeah. I, I brought up that statement because there's a part of me that sees the superficial aspects of what they were kind of referring to because there are churches that care just about, let's just, let's just, I don't want to use the word charlatan, but like, let's just do whatever it takes to get a bunch of people in here so that we look like this awesome young up and coming church. And now we're just people who just love each other. And we're all about the city, which we should be about the city for the glory of God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be about numbers, but there is this level of superficial, growth that we want to be aware of because we should, we should care about numbers. We should, because that's each number tells a story. That's people coming to know Jesus, but that also can't be, we can't, we can't let that take the reins. Yeah. Right. It's, it's pragmatism that exists as a church Mm -hmm. and as an individual. Yeah. Here's what I mean. As a church, pragmatism exists on the level where it says we're going to do whatever it takes to make a name for ourselves, have the hype, have the numbers. And to do that, we'll sacrifice on some of the harder truths or we, we won't always do necessarily what the scripture says, but what what builds us as good standing in the community. Right. Yeah. That, that's pragmatism in the church. But you know what that comes out of is pragmatism in our individual lives. I was having a conversation with a friend and he was talking about a celebrity that had a, that had a miscarriage and, and this article he was reading where she was talking about how God got her through the miscarriage and provided comfort and all of this. And in the very next paragraph, she goes on to describe her live in boyfriend and how she's living with a guy outside of marriage and not, not doing it God's way. Right. And this is when we pick and choose, well, God is for me because he's comforting me in this. But at the end of the day, this is a shallow pragmatic faith where God exists to meet my needs instead of me existing to give him worship and glory because we're not living under his authority, Mm -hmm. which means we're actually stuck. We're not growing because what, what is growth? It's progressively growing as we live under the authority of God, the authority of Jesus as King. So that kind of begs the question from a, let's, let's go from a macro view. What would biblical church growth look like? So from a bird's eye view of like, we were looking at a church, what would that look like? Well, I'm tempted to say it means being gospel driven, building strong families, serving the community in the right ways and being part of what God's doing across the world. Yeah, that sounds really good. We should adopt that. That sounds really good, doesn't it? But I mean, I think that's that's what it's birthed out of, right? Like being healthy, being biblical says that Jesus is the very center, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus and his death and resurrection is the core of everything we do and everything we teach. We want to come back to that. We want to design our programs around that. We want our groups to reflect that. We want our preaching and our worship to, to be saturated in that. That's got to be the, the driving force be, be around everything. And then we say, okay, well then God, God wants families to glorify him because God's the one that made the family. So we invest in families. We invest in the church as a family, which means we 
we love each other. We support each other in hard times. We correct each other. We challenge each other. We rejoice with those that are rejoicing and we mourn with those that are mourning, right? Like that's, right. that's the church as a family. But then we say, okay, well, God created marriage, mm-hmm. a husband and wife to be married and, and to have children. That's God's pattern for the world. And so we want to equip and encourage and love and, and resource parents so they can be successful at being great parents, being great husband and wife, helping make households that make disciples. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that, that spills out of the church and it spills out of the home into the community into the apartments around us and the, right. our neighbors and into our little leagues and into our gyms and into our orchestras and our choirs and our clubs and our book clubs. And you know, that spills into the, every segment of society as we naturally just love people and serve right. people and aim at Jesus and hopefully that goes to the end of the earth. And so I, I don't know if that's a cheap answer, but that's a convictional answer. That, that's, that's what it really looks like. No, it makes sense because I think if we're doing that, we're reaching more people. So you would see numerically a church grow from there, but it would also, it impacts the, the micro view. And I wrote down here that if, that if that's happening within the church at large, where you could see that happening, then you see the individual people within the church, they're growing in their conviction for the word of God and they're growing in character to be more like Jesus, which separates us from the world more and more. But as we do that, the blessings of God, his, his hand, his favor shines through us because we are the people of God called by his grace to live out his live before the glory of his name. And he wants to demonstrate through the church what it's like if we were to truly call him our God and walk with him as our people. And the more we're convicted about that and the more we rise to that occasion, the more God, his, his favor just shines upon us and through us. It it used to be a motive for me to do a lot of things in the church was I did a lot of things out of duty. I'm like, well, because I'm a Christian, this is how we do things. But lately I was actually reading another Mark or another book by Mark Deaver, uh, the nine marks of discipleship actually. Um, and he talked about, there are three motivations to being a disciple and one is, is duty, but the one of the, he goes, he, he goes into uh, blessing and honor and it doesn't cheapen our religious activity because we want God's favor because it actually brings him joy to show us favor because it, it glorifies God yeah. in that. So that's a couple of thoughts. I think one thought is instead of living pragmatically as an individual and as a church, we live based on convictions as an individual and as a church. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's that's part of what we're saying. And then then, then what, what it flows into is the normative pattern is what happens in the book of Acts. The Lord adds to their numbers daily. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's the Lord that adds the numbers. Jesus says that, that he will build his church Right. And so the normative pattern is the church numerically grows, but that's not always necessarily for every church. Exactly what happens. There will be churches that they're doing the right things and it's just not working. Right. But Jesus's church, big picture, it will, it will, it will advance against the gates of hell. Right. It will not be destroyed. And so I, I think we have to be careful saying, okay, normative pattern is things move forward. There, there are exceptions. Right. Right. You think about China. I think the underground church is the normative pattern is growing, yet they're tearing down church buildings. Right. And so yeah. it's when we talk about favor, when we talk about blessing, I think we got to understand that. Yeah. It doesn't a different mean, level. Right. That, a supernatural level that says something bigger than just a, a large gathering of right. people. Is happening that's, that can be superficial. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's pretty powerful. I, Mike, as we um, we're kind of up against time here. Man, if, if someone's listening to this right now and they just have this desire to be a disciple, they feel closer or they feel like they're being drawn close to God. Do you, can you think of some steps that maybe they should they should take right now to, to be, to go on that journey, I guess, of discipleship? Yeah, so I think what we've talked about a lot today is growth happens relationally. Yeah. And so I think that they need to get connected in a local church. Mm-hmm. I, I think if, if someone's listening to this and they're connected to Longview or Valley in any way, and they sense that, I, I think they email you or me or, mm-hmm. or connect to another leader at Valley and say, hey, I, I need to grow. Would you help me? Would you walk with right. me? Right. So I, I think that'd be a big step. And as that happens, I imagine they would be pointed to reading the scripture yeah. and, and studying the scripture and engaging in, in community and in a maybe a life group, maybe being part of service, like those kind of things that get us living for others, living for mm-hmm. the glory of God instead of self, which is what that definition of growth is, right? Like this observable mark is, uh, 
this growth in holiness as you deny self more, you become more like Christ. Right. I, I would throw on top of that, that. I imagine someone listening to this may have had a couple ideas pop in their head. Like, you know what? I should do this. But then the lawyer in their mind shows up. It's like, yeah, but you're also really busy and you got all this going on and all those things. I think it repent or actually, well, there, there it is. I think discipleship starts with repentance and even in the smallest senses. So I think if you feel convicted about something, you should turn it over to God and submit it under his authority and then chase that thread to learn more about that and to, to get involved in a life group or something like that and just get that support you need from the community of God to continue to grow. Yep. Because there's blessings that, oh, that wait for us. Take a step though. Do yeah. something. Yeah, for Move sure. forward. Mike, as we close this, will you, will you pray for our listeners and just pray for the discipleship of just those who listen and actually our own body? Let's do it. Yeah. Father, we come before you desiring to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, we thank you that we do not do this on our own, that you are the one that saves. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. And so because of that, Lord, you give us the, the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Yes, Lord. So, Father, I pray that we would recognize that, that we would turn from our sin, that we would turn toward you as our Savior and, and as our authority, and that we would live a life in, in the big things and even in the smallest things, growing in faithfulness to you, growing in holiness and Christ-like character. Lord, that we would say no to our selfish desires and we would say yes to selfless service of, of others. And God, as we do it, as we, as we live lives under your authority with Jesus as our King, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. You would draw more and more to yourself through, through Valley, through other churches that, that present the gospel and, and live with the conviction of the gospel, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.